Hello world, welcome to the 30th episode of Fuel Talk, powered by Felixer. We're here today at Leon Cafe in Las Vegas. Um, we're with Lynn, right? How do you pronounce your last name? McMullen. McMullen, right? Um, from South Africa originally. From South Africa. Yes. Um, and she's a triathlete, um, always running, always cycling, always doing something outside. And at the same time, she manages to um, pay a lot of attention to her business, number one, right? Or, I mean, not, not, not in terms of priority, but uh, she does have a pub in town in Las Vegas, uh, and also cancer research, correct? Yes. Um, and a family, yes. right? <laughs> um, so there's, there's a, I guess some would call a superwoman, um, but I think it's just someone who, who has a lot of passion for, for what she does. So we're gonna we're gonna find out a little bit about her story, where she's from, what she's up to, um, and where she's going. So Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you very much. I have to say just to begin that I think that I'm uh, you know I'm I'm honored to be here. I'm not a world champion at any one of those things that you just mentioned. <laughs> so uh, regrettably, I don't have world champion stories to tell you. But um, you know, I'm give up my best shot when I can. Yeah, so thank well, you. It, it's 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 my pleasure, and, and um, we've been wanting to have you on, on the show for a while now. So definitely glad uh, we got you this time because I know you're always away on weekends and traveling to a, a competing and doing something. Um, you know, let, we always start with everyone um, a little bit about how they got started uh, in in the sport that they love right now. Um, but I'm actually a little bit interested in how you how you ended up in Vegas. How did, what was your, your trip over here? From a South African to Vegas, yeah. um, I never ever dreamed that I would live here. Uh, I used to look at uh, like postcards from South Africa when I was, I mean from Vegas when I was in South Africa and it seemed okay. like it was just a place I didn't necessarily want to be in because there was just so many lights and a place I couldn't imagine. So anyway, I live here now and I'm proud to say that I, I love America and I love Vegas. Um, Business took us from South Africa to Denver, and then from Denver to Las Vegas. Oh, so you were in Denver first. I lived in Denver for a while, yes. Oh, wow. okay. When my son, who's now 25, uh, was about, he was born in South Africa, and then we dragged him over to Denver, and we left Denver when he was about uh, four years old. Okay. And we've lived here ever since. Yeah, so um, what drew you to Vegas, so from Denver? From the mountains? And um, it was two things that took us from Denver. One was um, my husband had the move to build a large hotel here. Okay. Um, and secondarily, um, we wanted to get out of Denver, mostly because we'd had a, a family tragedy there, and we felt that a new start would be a good thing for us. So that actually it was a two. It was a decision that was made easier by the fact that it probably would be better to move uh -huh. once we had that opportunity for business. Okay. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Could could you share a little bit more about? Uh, I can. Yeah, yeah. About about uh, you know that that impactful part of your life. Sure. Um, that has nothing to do with uh, running, jumping, and swimming, although in the end it probably has everything to do with my running, jumping, and swimming. Um, but I think that um, my, my ch I have two children, I have three children. My big son is 25, my, small, my tiny daughter is 19, or my younger daughter is 19, and we lost a daughter to a brain tumor when she was two and a half in Denver. So that did impact um, 
everything I think that we've done since then in terms of where we live, um, what we do, how we do it, yeah. and why I think I incessantly run bikers. Yeah. It's probably got a lot to do with it, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like um, things like that, you know, probably manifest itself every single day, right? I think um, so. In, in some in some I particular so. way, um, and I think that kind of also was probably a big um, spark into what you know you're always organizing throughout the year, right? Which is your uh, right. You know, um, you know, life deals you what it deals you and then you you do what you do but one of the things that came across our horizon was a, a foundation that exists in America it's actually a worldwide in, uh, foundation called St. Baldrick's I don't work for them I'm a, I'm a mere volunteer but um, it made sense to us that we would get involved with uh, pediatric cancer research um, based on the fact that we realized that children's cancer research is underfunded severely percent of total funds go to pediatric cancer research so when you're a parent and you when you've been touched by something like that you you see it in a different way um, and so we had an opportunity to realize what these people do they raise money for pediatric cancer research um, and so we decided to do what they do and uh, they shave heads and raise money we, we help we have a pub we got people we shaved heads we raised money We've been doing that now for going on 11 years. We've raised almost $6 million, or probably just over $6 million over the 11 years. And I wow. say we, we wow. as a town, we as a city, we as a community. Yeah. Um, this is not about McMullen's Irish Pub. This is about this community that um, is new to pediatric cancer research, but we hope to grow the base here. Um, this is a very generous community, and it's just a case of getting the awareness about pediatric cancer out there. Um, we have friends that this has touched. Carrie's here with us today. She's been touched by, by pediatric cancer. Uh, when it touches you, it changes your world. And so we all have our flag that we fly. But I think that for me personally, and I know for Carrie, um, when it's personal, you it's your thing. So it's become our thing, really. And it's not about the money already, because I don't think it's enough money, but it's about letting everybody know that they can do something. Mm -hmm. Some things are too big to fix. This is not that big. It's big, but you yeah. can do something. That's yeah. how I feel. Could, could, you, could you share a little bit about, um, you know, the whole uh, experience of, um, you know, of how, how you bring people together for this, for this movement? For this? It's a crazy thing, this yeah. thing that we do, Shave Heads. Um, St. Baldrick's, as I said, has been doing this for about 15 years. We jumped on the bandwagon like many, many, many pubs and businesses and whatever all around the world, actually. They have these events in Japan and Australia and New Zealand. So um, we just do what people do is you gather your friends and you ask them if anybody wants to shave their head. And one fool out of ten will say, of course I want to shave my head. The other nine are like, please don't get me to shave my head. But in turn, I'll give you money to not have to shave my head. So people do that. And uh, we've raised, as I said, about six million. Um, the foundation has raised in excess of 150 million over the time. And they have made a huge impact in pediatric cancer research. So to be honest, we run an event that runs about 16 hours and we shave about 500 people's heads on one given day a year around about March 4th, March 5th. And uh, it's really the most fun you're going to have while you're yeah. raising money. It's yeah. a simple thing. It's really not complicated. Off. 
It's in March, yes. Yeah, March yeah. 4th. That's yes. like right around the corner. Yes. And this, yeah. the bike community here has been amazing with St. Baldrick's. Yeah. Lifetime, Pat and Kerry. That group has come, they've supported us. Some of them have shaved. Mm -hmm. um, it's been amazing. So it, when I say that, it's it's building this community in a really positive way, I think. Yeah, we'll definitely um, get get all your contact information. So, you know, whoever wants to be a part of this right. um, in some capacity could definitely reach out to Absolutely. you directly. I am worried that whenever people see me, they're afraid I'm going to ask them to shave my head yeah. and shave their heads. But I, I really try not to say yeah. those words. Do you, do you travel with clippers and yeah, stuff? Not, almost. I think that's the perception. But no, <laughs> I don't. And I actually have utmost respect for people, whether they shave or don't shave. But just to get it, you know, just come yeah. along with us. Just come to the event watch it, do what you do. If you don't want to shave, I'm 100% behind you. Yeah. Um, I've shaved about five times, maybe six times over the duration, and I may or may not shave again, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right on. Let's talk a little bit about your, your training. My training. Yeah, and you're, you know, I mean, you're My always therapy, doing events, like throughout. Well, yes. Okay, yeah, your therapy. <laughs> Why do you say your therapy? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Because um, I think I, I really no, like to there's, train. There's, there's, there's always some truth in. in we're all a little right? crazy. Yeah. We, are, we know I that. Mean, cycling for me is my therapy. Believe right. me. Believe we're a little obsessive. We're a little, little obsessed. <laughs> we're a little crazy. Um, yeah. If you ever watch me on Strava and I'm going out for like more than 50 miles, you know that that week for me was like a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> right. You read things into things, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's relatively new to me, I have to say. I am probably one of the older athletes that you're interviewing. I'm 56 oh, yeah, right. years old. Um, I don't believe any of that. Which is a little aged. So um, I was exposed in the last five or six years to triathlons by default. I really didn't have any intention. My whole, I've run my whole life. I uh, ran competitively at school, um, didn't really run at college. I was just a you know pedestrian runner, not very good. Just, you know, do what I could. And then a friend uh, about seven years ago challenged me to a mini triathlon. And I hadn't been in the water, to be honest, for like 11 years, because essentially I nearly drowned 11 years ago post uh, in Hawaii. No way. No, I really did. You know when you see the white light? Yes. And seriously, <laughs> I nearly drowned. Wait, wait, tell us about this. I want to so, know about that. So the fact that I'm even swimming is a miracle. Um, so I don't worry about my times as much, but um, I was swimming just recreationally in Hawaii on a boogie board and a wave hit me. It was really a freak wave. And um, you know that you go round and round and round like you're yeah, in a washing yeah, like machine. Washing, yeah. And um, I stood up and I had noticed a man that I noticed earlier on the beach standing a few feet away from me. Mm -hmm. And I stood up and I was about to faint. I dislocated my shoulder. I didn't know the rest of the damage at the time. And he said, oh, don't worry, you've dislocated your shoulder, I'll get you. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So, weird story, but the man catches me as I fall, carries me out, um, puts my shoulder back, which I didn't even feel, um, sat with me while the ambulance went on its way, and my pelvic was burning and burning because I'd pulled all the muscles in there. But nonetheless, um, my fear for water was based on that event. I, I really never got in the water for, like, up to my knees. Wow. I'd go to... I go on vacation and everybody else would be in the water. I would not be yeah. in the water. Um, and then my friend challenged me to this baby triathlon, and I figured, okay, which was crazy. And that was seven years ago, just before I turned 50. And um, I went to my friend Nancy Dickinson, who's a very good triathlete in our community, and she taught me how to get over that a little bit. We okay. got my stroke back. Um, I had swum before, but I just hadn't swum competitively ever. Right. So she helped me get back. Um, 
Open water swimming was really hard for me because I used to, I mean, I had my happy ventilation moments frequently. Um, but eventually, I got a little better, and um, here what, we are. What type of techniques uh, were, were you doing for that? Was it mainly like mental, in the moment, when you would start to see flashbacks, you know? Like the funny thing with open water swimming is, it's so different to pool swimming. And if you're not a swimmer by nature, I did not swim at college like a lot of my friends, and they're really, really solid swimmers as a base. If you're not accustomed to swimming, you swim in a pool and it's one type of swimming, and then you go into open water, and you either love it or you hate it. Um, yeah. For me, I hated it initially because it scared me so much. But um, in the times that I wasn't freaking out, I realized that I really loved it. I loved the, the light, I loved the sound, I loved the peace. Um, it's a really zen thing. I love yin yoga, but I yeah. love swimming because it's super zen, and yeah. I could find a place where I could just listen to the sound, and um, so in between the fear and the zen, I found a place. And sometimes I have to find that place in the water still. Okay, so yeah, I, I guess your, your approach was to find something uh, mystical and, and magical about the, the fear. I think that, I think, I don't mean to sound cliche, but because I have been to a place where I have known with fear, um, Going into the open water was a challenge for me, but I realized that if I if I overcame if I overcome small challenges, yeah. then I think it helps me to overcome bigger challenges. Yeah. And so I equated swimming as and not a big challenge, a huge challenge really for me. But on the scale of challenges, I figured I just got to keep going. I have to keep going. Yeah. So I did. I did. Yeah. I'm still not a great swimmer, but I've come a long way. Okay. So that that's swimming. Right? And swimming. And what about the bike and, and the run? How did, how did that evolve? I don't know. You know, I've run, as I said, most of my life. Running, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at swimming, biking, or running, but I, prefer, <laughs> I, I like the combination of the three. I think if you're not good at any one and you yeah. do all three, then odds are, you know, there's some equality that comes out at the end. Um, I don't know. Biking, I just took to quite naturally. I like it. Um, it's not as hard as running physically. And um, it's more of a community social event for me. So if I ride with friends, I feel like I've had coffee with them, but we were on a bike. So right. um, I've had some help biking. I've, I've had Pat, and I've had Trichel. Um, Danny Cam is a friend of mine. He has helped me a lot. You, the group. I've seen you, Pat. I've seen you uh, train with, yeah, uh, with kills Danny. Me frequently. And I mean, obviously, all the rides with Pat as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've tried. I've tried to get better. Yeah. I'm not afraid to work. I just have to be told what to do, and then I'll do it as okay. well or as badly as I can. I'm not afraid, though, but, you know. So you're coachable. It is what Definitely it is. Coachable. Oh, I'm coachable. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Pat? I'm coachable. First thing is getting you not to work too hard. I know. <laughs> what, have, you, have, you, have you always been like that? Uh, just very tenacious and um, yes, a lot I of grit so. and just I think so. going at it? Yeah. yeah. I, am t I think I'm tenacious and determined uh, to a fault sometimes. As most people can be, but um, I don't know. I found I have found some joy in the training and some growth, personal growth, on many levels from training. Um, going to do triathlons, I qualified once for an age group nationals three years ago, and I uh, didn't have a clue what that was. So I went along and did the first one, and that was a whole new world for me. Realizing that there's athletes from 20 to 80 that are extraordinary athletes. And the first year I did it, I was beaten by women in their 
70s, I swear, they just flew by me. Damn. And then I realized that this is a world that I liked. I like that. I like to see such amazingly committed athletes and wanted to be better. I still want to be better. Yeah, it's like, I, I feel like a lot of like triathletes or cyclists and runners, that's, there's something in them that they like being their own lab rat. You know, they like just experimenting and like finding out something about them. You know, and like they keep on testing things out and trying to push their body to a limit. You know, and and, and over time, you'll you'll either be the person who just wants to go out a couple times, or you'll be the person who just like just wants to like find out how much pain they can go through, or you know how how uh, how they can better their numbers or something. You know, um, but what what do you think um, are some of the characteristics characteristics or traits that you've been able to identify? from, um, you know, training and doing, um, you know, rides and, and triathletes that you've taken from there and then put them into your personal life? Like, which, what kind of traits do you think you've been like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about myself, and I want to, I want to, like, use that in my, in my private life, in my personal right. life, you know, with my family or, you know. When you run, bike, swim, gymnastics, horse ride, whatever your thing is, you'll fail more than you will succeed. Um, the failure is where you learn. Um, the race that you thought you were going to go and do really, really well because your numbers said that you were going to do, you know, whatever, whatever the time is, and uh, you didn't, you have to reflect why. Um, so I think it's a great, um, it's a humbling machine and it keeps you, keeps you grounded and you either decide at that time when you fail, do I continue to go on or do I just bail and become a, you know, weekend, I'll ride twice a week or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I believe that I've, I've yet to begin to try to do well. It's yeah. all been a rehearsal up until now. Yeah. Um, I'm too competitive for my own good, probably, but I'm prepared to try. And I do think that I've, um, I think I can still do a little better than I've done, mm -hmm. I think with uh, the correct training and uh, coaching, nutrition, etc. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I just think that I realized that it makes me less afraid. I think training makes me stronger, not only physically, but mentally yeah. and emotionally. Yeah. I run this pub, which is a crazy machine. Um, and if I can go in there and I've already done my workout, if that's one hour or three hours, mm -hmm. and I get into work and it's lunchtime, most of my anxiety for the day is already gone because I'm just tired already. But I feel I can deal with whatever comes to me that day because it's a stressful world running yeah. a pub. It's yes. fun, but it's crazy. So you, so you have a better, um, you're aware of your reaction to any type of stress, like whatever it is, and, and you know, the, the training and pushing your body to a certain point um, kind of dissolves that a little bit and then and then bit, you're yeah. just able to absorb yeah. you know the, the day as it comes and kind stress of react is stress to it whether we run you know 10 miles too fast and we feel the repercussion of that and you go back into work and yeah. you stress again but in the end I think that um, you just get stronger I do think that cool. if I get 40 people show up unexpectedly and you know, I got a deal in a busy restaurant. What am I going to do? You know, is that anxiety that hits you and you're like, okay, I got this. Just one step in front of the other. Yeah. I got this. So I do think it's helped me both ways. And um, I think it's the, the sense of community and friendship in the biking, swimming, and running community that 
um, it's, it's really great. It just adds something very special to everyone's life that takes part in this stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Talk to me a little bit about um, your support group because as cyclists or runners or triathletes, any, any type of a, you know, athlete, we, we, or especially in endurance sports, we spend to, we tend to spend a lot of time alone. Yes. Right? Because like when you're in the pool, either you're training with like a group of friends or you're running with a group of friends or you're cycling with a group of friends, but a lot of times we're also training by ourselves. Yes. You know? Um, so how do you manage that um, with a business and family? Um, and, and how does your support group look like? Well, I think we're all a little selfish. We, I sometimes I feel like it's a bit selfish to take the time to train. Um, and going up to um, age group nationals this year, I think I was really trying to put the hours in, thinking I was doing everything right. And I took a lot of time away from the business and away from everything. And I did train alone a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so much so now that it's off season, I'm glad just to go and do more social things because I felt it does wear on you in the end. Yeah. Um, my husband is really supportive. Um, he rarely complains when I say, hey, I'm, I'll, I'm leaving and I'll see you in four hours. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so I have that. Um, and then the people that I do things with, you, with you, when you're with like-minded people, you, you gain strength from each other. You know, if you're having a bad day or it's not going well. Um, my support system is uh, Danny, Pat, my cycling friends that have helped me my running community and my conditioning community, I rely very heavily on my South African coach, Rainier. He's my conditioning coach, and uh, he's been very impactful to me, mostly because we have this, we speak funny together. Uh -huh. um, and I just have bonded with him from when I met him, and I've known him for years and years now. So he's been a very strong influence on me. Um, Nancy has helped me a lot, swimming-wise, because I had to get my head right before I could get my, my stroke right. Um, and every now and again I go and see her just to put me back in shape. I'll swim five strokes and she'll know what I'm doing wrong, so yeah. that's amazing. Um, it's just the friends you've made, that becomes your support group. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay. That's my story. So you still, you still have your, your coach in South Africa? I have him, he lives here, he's a oh, trainer he in here. Las Vegas. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. He previously ran Las Vegas Boot Camp, he now runs a, a power hour workout, which I've, which is a conditioning and a combination running rowing situation which is um, oh, wow. a lot of athletes go to him and uh, he's very good and he, he knows what I can do and what I can't do he knows my weaknesses in my running yeah. and we are constantly trying to fix them how does he how does he identify those uh, besides just knowing him he looks at my number he looks at what I've done what I'm able to do if he tells me to go out and do a tempo workout and I can't maintain the speed that he told me to do mm -hmm. you're like you know why? What happened? What are you doing wrong? What didn't you eat right? What did, what did your day look like yesterday? So we're constantly balancing, trying to get me to run faster. This is the goal. So it's, it, it seems, and this is just from my, my observation, you can tell me you know, if I'm wrong, uh, but you, there's, there's a lot of, so like you gather information uh, from different people, right? Yes. That influence like your training a bit. So they're kind of, uh, they'll you know, give you suggestions or you know, advice consulting whatever. but during an actual event and while you're running and, and writing and stuff who's your coach there what are you doing in that point you know a lot of my stuff I, I get I do what I'm told as I said I like yeah. to be told what to do I don't yeah. like to reinvent my training plan I do what they tell me 
I try to do it the best I can. We look at that and we go, okay. So, so you in your in your four hour event, yeah. How are you coaching yourself? In my head. Yeah. <laughs> go. Are you are you remember? Stop being like, lazy. Are you remembering? Are you like? Oh yeah, you remember. You? But it's a connection between on that given day. Can you put together your cardio base? Can you turn your feet fast enough? Can you keep your head together when your goggles got knocked off your head? You know, can you do all the pieces? Because training is one thing, and then you get into that beginning of a, a swim start, and there's 200 and 100 and something people, and yeah. it's just a crazy mess. That's stress. That's real stress for me. You know, your goggles get knocked off, you get kicked. Everybody who does I've that I've been in the beginning of those, the, of those races, and yeah, everyone's just, it's like a cat fight. I mean, that, that's everyone's stress swinging, that, yeah. like kicking. What is that like? How do you feel then? You know, I hate it, and then I love it at the end. Because my worst beast comes out at that time. I find that I, I realize if I, it's sink or swim, literally. So if I'm all in, if like I'm elbows and, and I'm going. Are you swinging too? I have to, yes, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Not intentionally to hurt anybody, but if I don't, I know I might really take in a lot of water and drowning is always an option. So I don't know, I, I, I just... It's fearful. I, every time I do it, it's fearful. And then you wonder why you do things that are fearful. And I think as a, a person of my age who's trying to do things, scary things, yeah. um, I don't know why we'd do that. I really don't. But you do it again and again. I think repetition makes things better, so you keep thinking the next one will be better than the last one. And maybe it is, and yeah. maybe it's not. Yeah. Um, this year at Nationals, I got, wasn't a wetsuit swim. I personally like swimming in my wetsuit. Um, it was a non-wetsuit swim, and it was it was ugly. In the um, in the triathlons, I I always hear that that transitions are really important to yes the outcome. I like those. In those <laughs> in those transitions, what, go go go. What is so uh, you know what is so detailed about it? Like why is that so important? Again, it you know when you take your mind off yourself and you put your mind into like preparation and visualization, like uh -huh. what do I need to do? I get out of the water. I take this and this off. I pull my wetsuit off. There's my my stuff. It's one, two, three. And again, I think just doing it a number of times reinforces um, minimizing the steps and keeping it simple. Um, there's something that I, I I don't know. I hate that again, but I do love it. There's something um, you that do a lot go of go go thing. Huh? You do a lot of things. I do, that you isn't that weird? Yeah, that's good. Fear-based. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything makes sense. <laughs> so in, that's all in I those, can say. In those moments of transition, have you? What's like the? What's like the the biggest mistake you've done that you've learned from? Wow. Like, did you forget a shoe? You're like, oh my god, I'm I'm running with one shoe, like a mile. Well, in. one one I uh, did a triathlon and I uh, I took my timing chip off with my wetsuit, and I realized oh, when man. I came. Yeah. <laughs> It all just came off. I didn't even see it. And then when I came back off the bike, I realized that it was lying on the ground. Um, and I happened to be having a pretty good race at that time. So I thought I was already disqualified because I didn't have it. Yeah. And I put it back on, shouting to my friend, find out if I'm disqualified. Um, but I wasn't, so it worked out. But little things like that can really throw your your world. Game off, yeah. um, the thing that another thing that can scare you is it's just the conditions. If you get there on a given day and it's windy as heck, and my I got my beautiful wheel that I love my front wheel but it's I know it's too deep for the conditions and I didn't change it mm -hmm. then I'm afraid am I gonna be okay am I gonna be okay you just have to try to go yeah yeah I'm gonna be okay I mean even if you're not yeah you know, lie to yourself and tell yourself you'll be okay yeah. so the the conditions can phase you um, and stupid things you do so 
you, you, we talked and you mentioned earlier about like um, doing things that you're uncomfortable with. So I, I did a presentation to present Felixer um, a couple weeks ago, and we and you know uh, we presented in front of like 150 people, and I hate presenting. You're very good at it. I don't know. I don't know. It's. I don't know what it is about it, but I just don't like it. It puts me in this, in this, I'm just so scared. Like, I, I don't know what I'm scared about, but I just feel so scared. So I, I read this book, I was trying to look at this book and I was like, you know, how can, what can I do for that, you know? Um, because once I start kicking in, I'm like, I'm fine. You're fine. You know, I, start, I get into my zone, I drop into it and I just execute and kill it. And I know I can get there, but it's that, that little, time that little period of time right before it so I read something and basically it was like okay just accept it like just sit in your head just say mm -hmm. this is gonna suck it's gonna be very uncomfortable it's gonna be horrifying but it'll be fine right so I, I remember doing this and I got through it and I was just like you know, <laughs> that's amazing. So, do you do anything, um, any techniques or anything like that uh, before a race or like an awkward situation that you know you're going to feel uncomfortable with? Right. Uh, I also you kind of like talk to yourself in your head. Yes, very much so. I, I also do some public speaking and did so um, as a business in South Africa. So that again, a situation that I was always uncomfortable. And once you start, you're fine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the case of, again, accepting that you're uncomfortable and petrified. Yeah. And then um, you're just in it. And then trying not to think and just putting one step in front of the other. I remember running a race as a kid and my father, I used to run hurdles. And um, my oh, father, tough. I used to get so nervous before every race. I was like sick to my stomach almost, which I still feel often now. Yeah. And I remember going to my father saying, I don't think I can run because I'm, I'm going to throw up. And he said, if you didn't feel this way, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You're doing exactly, you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. And I, I really do remember my dad, who I love very, very much, is no longer with us, but I, Pat and Carrie know my dad. Um, but I remember my dad a lot before a race. I go, I'm, I'm petrified. I think I might throw up. Yeah, but if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm getting better at accepting my fear. And um, my son, who's 25, did a, um, a speech at the end of his closing at university. And the, I guess the theme of his speech was being comfortable being uncomfortable, which has become sort of a family motto. Like, we yeah, do like so that. many things that scare me. <laughs> um, you know, I stand in front of a group at St. Baldrick's, this fundraiser that we do. We have one tomorrow night. We might be speaking to 100 people. I know I have to talk to them, yeah. my husband and I. Um, do I get scared? Yes, it all scares me. But I guess I'm, that's my life. You know, you make yeah. choices to do things and you take big steps. Everything comes with, not a price, but good things come of it. But you can't get the good without a little bit of yeah. the prickly in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of prickly stuff yeah. in my head. Yeah, I love that. Oh, there's always the couch, you know, you could just sit on the couch. So I, I think that happens to everyone, you know, at some point in their life. Like, there's something that comes up that they got to do. It's and they're, either, and, and they're kind of defining moments, too, because, mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine not doing that tomorrow? And then, like, walking away off the, off the stage and not talk to anyone? Yeah, no, like, it wouldn't be right. <laughs> that'd be insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. that happens to a lot of people. People back down a lot. Mm -hmm. 
they back down a lot from doing something that's right or doing something that they should be doing. They back down and they just walk away. And, and it defines them because the next time that comes up, they'll remember that they walked away and it feels okay. And they're just like, they'll keep right. on doing it. No, so. I, I totally agree. I think there's a degree of honesty. I think in training, you must know this. I think all of us know that there's something honest about training. It's yeah. just you, your breath, just reality. It is what it is. And I think being honest, even if I'm afraid, I can be honest. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. That's cool. So we have Carrie and Pat here. Yes. Um, questions, guys. Here, let's let's uh, let's ask. You know, you know Lynn, I think, uh, you know, the most in, in Vegas. So do you have any questions for her? I don't know that I have any actual questions. Like you said, I learned a little bit, but even before I learned it, I thought I knew everything. So... Um, which, which obviously you don't, but I, I just, Lynn is such an overachiever, which makes her, you know, so good. And like she says, I've had the opportunity and the, the pleasure of training her quite often. And she'll do what you say, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a, she's a bit stubborn, if nothing else. She's, she, no. she's an overachiever. She's not going to back, back down unless you really, you know, unless you plan it out and prove to her why it's going to do her any better to, to go easier on a given day. And, you know, but that's the sign of a champion. And, you know, I just, like you said, Carrie and I have known her for years and years and years and had the pleasure of knowing her mother, her father, all her kids. Um, and just a, a great, if anything else, Lynn is very understated and humble. Um, she, you know, talks of just a little pub. Well, it's McMullen's Pub, which in my mind is the best, you know, the best pub around town and, you know, kind of an icon around town. So, um, you know, and everything, every part of her life is like that. So, I'm, you know, we're very, very pleased to be here. But awesome. Carrie can probably add to it. I actually do have a question. Knowing somewhat what a type A personality that you are. No. I know. And knowing, and I'm with you on the needing to expel energy because it is a therapeutic passion of ours. It's how we deal with a lot of the fears we have. But what is it that draws you to, say, yin yoga versus a vinyasa or a power class? Because that would be more aligned with your personality, but yet you... Keep coming back to yin yoga. It's very strange. I remember um, a yoga person at, at the gym at, at Lifetime once said to me, oh, it's a yin class, don't go, you won't like it. It's not your thing. Because they thought, you know. And um, I did it, and I loved it. And I think that, um, I think as you uh, mature, you figure out that those moments of quiet are actually really what you need. Um, and I find it, it's such an opposite to a hard workout with you ride long, swim long, run fast, ride fast, um, whatever those things are, that moment of quiet where you can feel that you're really benefiting your body, but there's that amazing Zen feeling that I get, and I'm sure we all do, I hope we all do, from that particular style of yoga is um, very appealing to me. Um, so much so that I, I'm not saying I don't like other forms of yoga, but if there was one that I had time to do, yin is the one that I would make time to do. So that's how I feel about it. It's whole body quiet if we can do yin yoga at a pub we could do yin yoga at anywhere anywhere right, right. <laughs> yin yoga in a pub I think it's amazing yeah and we should do it more often yes, and uh, yeah set a date and we, we have won't. to set a date and we will yeah. 
All right. Thank you. So, Lynn, let's um, let's get some people to you know to reach out and, and, and speak out um, for for St. Baldrick's and, and everything that you know that you're doing. So, how do we how do we get them um, how do we get them to you? How can we um, you know get you connected? Pediatric cancer research needs our help. Um, all these children need your help. Um, why? Just very, very briefly. Yeah. Why did I become involved with St. Baldrick's other than the fact that um, it's obviously very personal to us? Um, when my daughter was diagnosed with a particular diagnosis, they told us she had, let's just say, it was called choriplexus carcinoma. Forgive me for saying the name, it makes no sense. But in fact, 10 years after my daughter's diagnosis, we had already moved and life had moved on to some extent. Um, she was actually, it was the, her tumor was microchipped due to research, which was a, an ability that they could not do prior, and uh, realized that her, it was misdiagnosed. It wasn't choroid plexus carcinoma. Wow. It was an ateria rhabdoid, an ATRT, abbreviated to an ATRT. Okay. So of course that's pretty shocking news to a parent, you know, because perhaps they could have done something differently. Maybe we did everything wrong. I think I fell off my chair when they told me that, but I, they also said, look, anything that's in the fourth ventricle and attached to the brainstem is not a good diagnosis anyway. So I came to peace with the diagnosis, but it was research. Research was the reason that, they re, you know, that she was misdiagnosed. And so the research bug for me is, is huge, and I think all support groups in cancer are huge. For us, research makes sense because it does save lives. And such strides have been made since my daughter was diagnosed in children's cancer, with children's cancer specifically. But there's more to be done. It's saving lives. So why does research make sense? Because it saves lives. And there's so much that we can all do to raise that money. And join us March 4th. Look at uh, stbaldrix.org. Look at mcmullinsirishpub.com. Join McMullen's Irish Pub if you want to and you live in Vegas. If you don't live in Vegas, there's events all over the country, all over the world. Um, look them up, find an event near you, and don't commit to anything. Just go watch an event and see how fun it is. Um, you don't have to shave, just go show up. Just enjoy the moment. Um, yeah, so so that's my, my thing that I try to spread is you do not have to shave your head. We joke about that, but seriously, it's not about shaving your head. It's about doing something for pediatric cancer research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was going to ask you, so it's all over the world, because we have people from like over 60 countries listening yes. in, so. Yes, it's all over the world. Okay. Um, so they can easily look up on the website, but um, don't be afraid to take a step to do the right thing, and, you know, whatever your passion is, and look into the stats on, on, on children's cancer research and realize how much work needs to be done. Um, it does, if it's such a hard thing to look at when you see a child that's bald from chemo, that you either choose to help or you choose to walk away because it's too difficult. Um, again, the athletes are, we're not afraid to take the next step. I think that's the premise behind everything that we do. So if we're not afraid to train, we're not afraid to beat our body up, and we're not afraid to do things that, fear, that we're fearful of, then I think we should do something bold. If, if breast cancer is your thing, that's great. If diabetes is your thing, that's great. But if it's pediatric cancer, that's our thing. Take a step do something find out how you can help and if there's an event near you Beautiful. so that's Beautiful. my story and then what, what are the um, the connections against it's uh, McMullen's McMullen's Irish pub dot com dot com okay and then there's stbaldrix.org 
is the event, uh, is the worldwide events, which you will find information on. And you'll find out how they designate the money that's raised and how they operate on a really low base, which which makes sense to me. I think transparency yeah. is, is huge. So, an integrity. Okay. I respect that. Any other shout-outs that you'd like to make to anyone out there? Thank you, Felix, sir. Thank you for what you've done. Um, again, I'm not, you're, I'm, you're not interviewing a world champion. I'm a 56-year-old wannabe triathlete. Um, and I will do better at Nationals next year. You're going to kill uh, it. I'm going to kill it. Um, I have goals um, and friends to help me. But um, thank you to you for all you've done for this community. I wish you all in your business. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. all your support. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. All right, guys. Um, that's it for this uh, episode of Fuel Talk, powered by Fuelixer. Um, you've heard it once again, another story um, that's out of here in Las Vegas. Um, if you'd like to get in touch, please um, just reach out and say hi. Thank you. Bye.